0: You're listening to Inspired by Purpose. My name is Dr. Ozzy Jankovic, and I believe that purpose is what inspires us to make our greatest impact. Each week, we roll out episodes to inspire and empower you to become unstoppable in life and business. I am so grateful to be here with you. Now let's get started.
1: Hey there, happy June and welcome to this episode.
0: It is a really cool conversation between me and my friend Debbie Sasson. Debbie Sasson is a business and money coach who helps Jewish entrepreneurs clear their money blocks and create consistent 10 to 20k months building long-term wealth. She has a wealth of knowledge and expertise in her field. And we have such a fantastic conversation. And we'll be talking about how to make more money from the mindset standpoint, and I'll be coming in to share strategy on starting and building businesses in the most flexible and freeing way possible. This episode is divided into two parts. This is part two of two. If you didn't catch last week's episode, I highly recommend going back listening to the first part of the conversation, and then meeting us right back here. And before we dive in, I wanna invite you to enter this month's big giveaway, which includes $2,400 in marketing videos from my brand new company, Custom Created Clips. You can visit customcreatedclips.com, scroll all the way down to the bottom, and enter to win the giveaway. Custom Created Clips was born out of the need that I saw for so many entrepreneurs to create video content for social that was a step above selfie videos without the significant financial investment involved in full service video production. I'll be sharing so much more about that in the episode, but until then, visit customcreatedclips.com, scroll all the way down, and enter to win the videos. Here is part two of my conversation with Debbie Sasson. I wanna talk about how adapted that lean startup idea into this flexible idea and here's what it is. So you're starting out with time, which is we all have the same amount of time and money, which varies according to where you're at and how much you're willing to invest. The flexible startup model is one that you take as much as you're willing to invest in the beginning. And I recommend starting with as little as possible. I'll share a story with you about how to apply this real world in a couple minutes for zero dollars. Two weeks ago, my daughter announced to me that she's going to Italy for her 12th grade graduation trip. And I was so excited for her. And she mentioned that she would like to get some extra pocket change in order to really enjoy her trip. And she was planning on doing some babysitting. So I said to her, "Hana, I think that's a great idea to get some extra pocket change and babysitting is so wonderful and you're so good at it. And let's also think about ways that you might be able to double the income that you're making babysitting. So we had a conversation and we talked about her different skill sets. She's a great photographer and she's a great organizer. So we decided, let's put some feelers out and see if anyone locally might need some organization. You organize your room to a T, I know you can do it for someone else. Okay, great, let's do that. I made a post on Facebook in a local group. My daughter Hannah organized my house and now she is going to be opening up her services to a few lucky customers. Bam, she got paying clients. I love it. More than double what she was making babysitting. Now, she started at a price point that was irresistible. It's lower than the professional organizers in the field. So that will ensure that her customers will lower their standards a little bit and realize, okay, she's not a professional organizer yet. She then has the opportunity to make that customer satisfied. Now, this is number one here we want our clients to be satisfied so her job is then to go into the home and to do her work and to really keep her eyes and ears open about how the customer is experiencing that process how do they feel about the result are they satisfied do they have any further requests making sure that they are such a raving customer that they will then review her online, share her work to a friend and her business will then automatically have this very powerful marketing happening, which is word of mouth marketing. She can collect testimonials and share them. She has all these different ways of growing her business simply by offering something at this irresistible rate, making sure her customers are happy and collecting feedback. Okay. So that's it right there, right? That's the starting point. Now what's next? She only wants to take on a few at the beginning because she also wants to get really clear on her process. What's involved? How many minutes does it take for me to make that post on Facebook? How many minutes does it take for me to follow up with the people interested? What do I do next? Do I collect their phone numbers? Do I collect their emails? What are the exact steps I'm going through? I'm driving to their house. I'm actually doing the work. This is how I do the work. Every single thing about her process, the time, and the routines and all of it. So that after she has feedback from a few clients and she gets a sense for the time and the process that goes on, she can evaluate. Okay, now I put seven hours into that. I thought it was gonna be three for organizing, but it actually turns out to be seven because I had to go shopping for the supplies and I had to do the back and forth for the planning. So I'm gonna adjust my price to reflect what I need to make in my business. And now she has her next offer.
1: 100%. Maybe she wants, <laughs> I that's I it. I did this exact same <laughs> <thing laughs> exactly list with someone yesterday who's doing something for free. And and I said, let's just start with a package of $500 and you'll go ahead and you'll test it and you'll see how much time do you really spend doing this and what's the feedback and how many Zoom calls do you really have to yes. have with your clients? Let's just figure it out, but you have to start somewhere. And she could see that $500, because she's been doing it for free until now, was, you know, it was a reasonable price. It was a little bit outside her comfort zone, but she could see that there was value. And I said, we might find out that you're spending way more hours and you're really getting paid when you calculate your time, $40 an hour, $20 an hour. And then I'll be like, no, I'm not going to do it at that price. And it's way more valuable to, be, to my clients. But we have to get started somewhere.
0: Yes, we have to get started somewhere. So- I want to share with you, I implemented this personally a couple weeks back. And what happened was that I, I took a sabbatical from business and I relaunched in January. And one of the things that I did was I did a giveaway. I gave away an Amazon gift card and a copy of my book, Beyond All Things. And I sent out a Google Doc so that everybody who entered would put in their email so I could announce the winners. And they also answered a few questions about what are the challenges in my business? What are my business goals? And what is my social media handle? Okay. So, flash forward three weeks, I announced the big winners, and I now have a spreadsheet of all of the entrants where I can look at what their goals are, what their problems are, and I can have a look at their digital footprint. So, I did a few things with that. I sent out individual offers to the people who I knew that I could help with my consulting. I brought in a few clients, which was beautiful. And then last month when I revisited it and I took a look at some of the social accounts and some of the women who wanted to upgrade their marketing, I noticed something interesting. And I noticed for the vast majority of these women, their Instagrams and their Facebook and their social media pages had a lot of static posts. So they were like really nice memes with quotes. They would have captions or they would have... an animated cartoon, whatever it was, they would have these static posts, but something was really missing. And the missing ingredient was that I never got behind the scenes. I was never able to hear them in a video or feel like I knew them with their digital footprint. So I had this flashback to three years ago when I hired my first social media team and I was paying them good money. And they would do my Instagram posts and my Facebook posts and make me gorgeous graphics. And we grew the accounts and we were doing all right. But the CEO said to me, Kat Horsley, she said, Ozzy, please send me videos. I need videos. She was all the time asking. So here's what I would do. I'd pick up my phone and I would press record and I would look at myself and I would freeze. Mm. I would freeze. I wanted to sound competent and I couldn't talk to a screen and communicate in a competent way. I wanted to look polished, and let's face it, holding a phone in your hand is not always the most polished image. It can work sometimes. In any case, all I wanted, Debbie, was for someone to sit across the Zoom from me and ask me the questions that I could answer in a conversation. I could feel calm, I could feel like myself, I'm being myself, I'm speaking with you. And then they would turn around and produce clips for me to send to the cat so we could upgrade my social. And I had this breakthrough moment and I thought, wow, my social media team is already creating clips. We have an amazing workflow. I could just do this. I've done over 100 interviews. I'm an amazing interviewer. I always get great sound bites, authentic, competent, warm sounding, all the things. And so I shared this idea with a friend. I didn't make a fancy website guys. I didn't buy a website domain. I invested zero money. I just had a little conversation with an entrepreneur who I thought maybe could benefit. Share the idea with her. Ozzy, she cuts me off mid sentence. Ozzy, what's the price? Nice. I threw a number out there and she sent me money. Okay. Nice the next day i was online i happened to meet an entrepreneur lovely dietitian whose instagram looks like she's just like running diet programs and when we were back and forth messaging on on facebook i realized wow she has so much depth and i wonder if i should share this idea with her too and i did and guess what we did her interviews two days ago and they were phenomenal Mm. and it's the biggest rush. It's the best feeling to know that you as a business owner are helping people and being useful. And for me, it's really energizing. And what I'm realizing in starting this new business is that all the knowledge that I have from these quote unquote failures like that, failure in 2017, where it was the wrong time for my idea was not a failure. It was a learning experience where now I can take all of that learning and I can put it into this new venture, which is a flexible startup and a flexible growth on a really practical level. I put the word out. I said, I have room for three beta clients at this rate and that was it. And I needed to test it at a beta rate because now what I realize is, okay, wait a second. This is going to require X, Y, and Z so that my company can put its best foot forward and make a quality product for our clients. So it was like really figuring out that sweet spot. And now I set my May prices and I'll do this in May and that'll be that. And after May, I'll step back and I'll look at the processes and I'll figure out who's my new hire. And what are they going to do? What do they need to do? And I'll know step-by-step because I've been taking notes the whole way. Exactly what I did, exactly what my VA is doing. And now we have the manual to grow the next step. Okay. So this is the flexible process in a nutshell. And I really believe firmly that it can help so many people to reformulate how they even envision business. What are your paradigms for business? And those are holding you back. It could be time to take a look at this new model.
1: I love it. And it's just so, I've always just admired this about you, that you have an idea and you go out there and you test it. Like you call it flexible. I might call it trial and error, but that's what you're doing. You have an idea. And rather than going out and doing a bunch of research, you've done a little bit of research right? You're going to go out and try it. You're going to jump, you call it your beta pricing, and then you'll look at the data. You'll analyze the numbers, the number, the time, the energy, like everything you're putting into it. And then will be like, okay, that was a great price to get started. Now let's market it where it really needs to be. So it's beautiful. Yeah,
0: yeah absolutely. And I want to say also that this isn't necessarily about jumping into something completely new that you don't know anything about. So there definitely are steps to take, and I would say to everyone listening that a really good starting point is to look around and ask yourself, what do I do? And it could be things you don't even think about, but going through your day and thinking out loud, okay, I organized my living room really well, and hmm, I put my makeup on really well. I'm good at that also. And I listened to a friend and I was able to get her, give her good advice. And at the end of the day, you can look back at these things. Maybe it's, I balanced the bank account really well. Whatever it is, you can look at those as your skill set, and you can ask yourself, "Hmm, is this something that I can package as a business? Is this something I can package as an offer? And really go from there. This process is like knowing yourself, being really clear on your strengths. And this idea of like uh, trial and error. Could be the way to look at it. I also want to offer that it could be like trial, and, you know, trial and learning. Like just giving yourself that space to not necessarily look at any of this as a failure, but look at all of it as feedback. Yes. If a if a client's not happy, yesterday, for example, there was a humming noise in some of the videos, and I thought, gosh. Hey, if the client's not happy, is that a failure? Does that mean my whole business failed and I can't do this? Or is it possible that I can learn something and I can adapt something and I can make sure my client's happy? Like it's all doable. It's all really doable.
1: So I love to say like when you're trying something out, like we could call it trial and tweaking or we can say like there's either yeah. winning or learning, right? Yes. But basically you make a decision you just, you go, you don't like then keep analyzing, you make a decision. Now you implement your decision, you analyze, which is what you're doing. You're getting the learning, getting the feedback, and then you tweak and you make a new decision and you go out and you try that. And as you continue to do that, you will refine your process of providing video clips for entrepreneurs who need some video content on their social media, which is Yes. And
0: Yes. Okay. We are so on the same page about so many things. I love it. And I want to share with you why I didn't make a shiny polished website and why I didn't do Google ads and why I didn't do all those things. Why is my website so super basic right now? It's because I'm just starting out. And guess what? If I had made a really shiny website and I had advertised on Google and I had really cast a wide net, the systems would not have been set up yet. So the business would not have been ready. So a really concrete example is like someone who wants to open a restaurant. They are gonna have to take out a lease. They're gonna decorate the restaurant and write the menus and make sure everything is done. So many details, time and money. And then opening day comes around and they've done so much advertising. They've done all the right things. And suddenly nobody's lining up at their pizza shop. And they're stumped. What happened? They didn't realize the entire neighborhood is kosher and their shop is not kosher. And so guess what? Now they have to go back and they have to redo the whole menu and they have to work with different vendors and they just lost a lot of time and a lot of money. If they had started off by making pizzas in their living room, in their kitchen, and sharing with their family, or sharing with a few neighbors, they would have heard after the third pizza from the neighbor, oh, you know what? Your pizza's delicious, but I eat kosher. Let's talk about how you might be able to cater to this neighborhood.
1: Mm, Yeah. Done. Beautiful. And I'm going to, it's going to Go back to a point we talked about, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes ago, when you're talking about the size of your business, because you can have a pizza shop in a neighborhood that decides that it wants to stay small and just be in that neighborhood. And it's going to open at 11 o'clock in the morning and maybe even close at five in the afternoon. Maybe they don't even care about the people who are going to come for dinner because they want that kind of lifestyle, or maybe they'll stay open until eight, or they could become a franchise. And they could become yes. like a Domino's or a Pizza Hut or something else. And so it goes back to your business decisions. What do you want to do with your business? Do you just want to be that neighborhood kosher pizza shop? Or do you have visions to make something more? Or do you have visions to take pizza and then you're going to serve lasagna, eggplant, Parmesan, and a bunch of other different, like you just expand the size of your restaurant. Yes. And that's the way you grow your business. But yes, just get I, I love that.
0: I, yeah, just get going. I love that. And what's so beautiful about this idea of being flexible and listening to the feedback of your customers is that if that pizza shop is like egoless enough to ask the customers did you like these flavors and not feel offended a customer might say something also i really like that flavor and i also love lasagna Mm -hmm. and i also really wish i could just buy this in the freezer section of my local grocery store And now suddenly that business has some new ideas that they can also test and grow. I think we're both on the same page. Like the limits are only what we place upon ourselves.
1: hundred percent. Yeah. So I want to talk about failure because we said we were going to talk about it anyway. And yeah, yeah. Do you want to talk about the, the
0: fears, like overarching fears and weave that in to our third topic here?
1: Yeah. So a lot of, yes, a lot of people have that fear of failure. And I just love that you gave your example from 2017. You started this business. It didn't work. And there was so much learning and you didn't just decide at that time. I tried something. It didn't work. I'm going to, I'm a failure. You're going to go climb back into your rabbit hole and just hang out in your rabbit hole for the rest of your life. You just let it simmer and you ended up using all of your learning in different ways later on when you're going out into the marketplace with a new offer or even an old offer right i've launched my group program now 3 times and like people can still say no they can still refuse me i might have to learn how to market it a little bit better sell it a little bit better like i'm still in the learning phase of what i'm doing but we just we get so much feedback and the more you yes. can increase your capacity to feel failure we're going to go back to sitting in like silence and feeling your emotions, like feeling whatever's happening in your body. And for so much of it, whether it's rejection, people don't want it. Like you can go out and be like, oh, nobody wanted videos. Oh, like woe is me and feel rejected, feel judged or criticized or feel like a failure. And it could just be like, I only spoke with three people. Maybe I didn't market it. Maybe I don't yet know how to sell the importance of video. And I need to bring some market research about how everything's going to video and 90% of businesses are made with video. And my people just don't know that yet. But the more we can increase our capacity to feel failure or feel negative emotions, then the more capacity we have to actually grow our businesses and make money.
0: Yes, it's so true, Debbie. And what you're sharing about failure reminds me of the moment when I was finishing my doctoral degree in LA at USC. And our art professor asked us to do something really uncomfortable. And he had us write a failure resume and we were all, you know, pouring our hearts out like tears and writing these resumes. And after an hour, we sat there in silence doing this work and we finished. And then Dr. Garcia looked at us and he said, okay, now, next hour, I want you to write next to that, all of the facts, concepts, skills, strategies, beliefs that you took away from those failures. And I did that with my company Sage Pair in 2017. And one of the things that I realized is I know a lot about the online directory business. And now I know a lot about marketing and a lot about coaches and consultants and I've put that out into the world and interestingly, I was just invited to be on the advisory board of a really innovative directory. Not because I had a successful directory myself, but because now I have so much information Mm -hmm. about directories. So I don't have to be a CEO of a directory of a tech company to have information. I have resources and those resources are valuable to someone who does something else. So I believe that, yes, we can have uncomfortable feelings about feeling like we failed or didn't work or this or that, but not to get stuck in that because it doesn't mean anything about you as long as you're open to, it never means something about you, but by being open to considering what did you learn, again, like facts, concepts, skills, strategies, beliefs, Mm -hmm. you now have assets and that makes your capacity to serve greater.
1: Correct. Yeah. And if we bring, I love bringing also examples from the sports world because I grew up, (laughs) my dad, my older brother, we do a lot. We did a lot of sports in Los Angeles when I was growing up. So I'm an LA Dodger fan and the Lakers and the Rams and all that. But like batting 300 in baseball, which means you hit one, like three out of 10 balls. That is an amazing record. Like most pitches that the batter meets are going to be failures. Like two thirds will be failures and only one third of them are going to be hits. And then some of them are going to be caught. They'll be, he'll be out, whatever, but that's already considered a good record.
0: I love that. I love that idea of even reconceptualizing what the word failure means. Yeah. Fail fast, fail fast. And those baseball players, if their they're, if they're average is like in the 150s, isn't that considered, I'm not, I don't, I used to be a baseball fan. I don't remember the details, but what is it? I don't like, know anymore really, either. I just know. It's something, it's like not that high. Yeah. So- so it's so worth thinking about in the world of sales i remember when i first started selling some of the services i was offering it was like really deflating like why are half of my calls not moving forward into a sale until i learned that cold calls on average have a 1 in 10 yes rate 1 in 10 even lower in certain fields i would have thought
1: that was high 1 in 10 yeah
0: yeah and, and I, it's such an eye-opening moment where we can realize this is part of the process.
1: Yeah. We're just expanding our capacity to feel negative emotions, to feel failure, to feel rejection. And that's all. And you and I spoke about before we got on the, we, before we started to record, I recently saw Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. It was a clip of an interview. I have to go find the whole thing. But they were speaking about Elon Musk. And if anybody's ever followed Elon Musk, what Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, who managed Berkshire Hathaway's, for our listeners who don't know, but they were saying that Elon Musk is a brilliant man, a brilliant entrepreneur, and his capacity for failure, his willingness to fail was greater than Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. Like they had a lot of praise for Elon and what he does and what he has accomplished by his willingness to try things and fail. And they're just saying, but yeah, we just don't want to fail that much. And and yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, it's, he's so fascinating. We could really talk about him for a while and i'm curious he's so fascinated right tesla and now spacex and i recently read an article that he does not do anything luxury like he even resisted getting a private plane until he absolutely had to really does yeah he doesn't even like to like like his girlfriend had a real issue with him because he wanted to like eat the most basic foods ever and just make time for work and he wasn't making time for leisure like he really loves what he does also, which is fascinating. And I'm curious, like two things. First off, we don't all, this is a fact, like we don't all have the billions of dollars that Elon Musk has to invest in something and then fail casually and still have the private jet. So I think that's where this like flexible model can really come in. And the second piece, like I I wanna explore, do you think, Debbie, it's possible that Elon Musk or even any of us, could fail and not feel negative emotions?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. Is it possible? I think most human beings, I can't tell you about Elon Musk. He's, um, if he's willing to eat very simple food and maybe his desire for pleasure can be very low. And which means if his desire for pleasure, if he's willing to eat boiled chicken or very simple meals, that means that perhaps that on the upside, he you know he does he his just range of emotions that he allows himself to feel, which is why he doesn't feel failures so deeply as other people. But just let's leave him outside. (laughs) Failure, he'll be statistically he's like on the tails, right? If we have (laughs) totally. he'll be in the, he'll be in the tails. Yes. But humans feel negative emotion and it's your willingness to feel it and not make it mean anything about you. And how quickly do you bounce back? And that's probably your resiliency,
0: right? Like resiliency. I love that.
1: Yeah. You're going to feel the failure. It's not going to be comfortable. I'm not going to paint it as like roses and daisies and unicorns and things like that. Failure doesn't feel great it doesn't have to stop you and get and keep you stuck. Again, let's just go back and find out what the learning is. Like I love Mel Robbins who's five, four, three, two, one, just maybe failure is going to take you half a day, but let's move on. Let's learn what we can. And now let's tweak. Let's go back to implementing the cycle of making a decision, implementing, analyzing, tweaking, and do it again. Yeah
0: yeah absolutely i think we can definitely raise our threshold for discomfort yes and i'll give you an example quick example that i put out this very basic website that was really just an overview of the services that the company is going to be providing because people were asking. And I had AI make the website. It took me 30 minutes. Like it wasn't a big investment, but I still put it out there into the world. And I asked for some feedback. Now most people came to me, they said, wow, what an amazing idea. They got it like, okay, this isn't Ozzy's like final website. It's just a landing page to show people what she does. But one woman contacted me with a page-long email telling me everything she hated about the website. So I'm like reading through and I'm thinking, this is really interesting. This person has nothing nice to say. I could really be agitated here. And then I had this moment where I realized that one of my podcast guests, Sunil Gupta, is a serial entrepreneur and he shared there are four people you need with you on the entrepreneurial journey one is a coach one is a cheerleader and one is your cr- critic and i thought about that and i looked at the email and i was like hmm, okay she definitely doesn't understand my process or what i'm trying to do here but i'm still gonna just read through this make a note of it and let it go and it didn't bother me and i think that if i'd gotten that same email like four years ago, I might've shut my computer and crawled under the covers. What's well, good. You
1: didn't. It is really good. Right? <laughs> I was reading recently that feedback, like we talk about it being constructive, like constructive criticism, constructive feedback. There's just like all the negative things that she doesn't like, but was any of it constructive? Was any of it helpful? Because then you can also just pull out. It was just all no. Okay, fine. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's also yeah. as you grow, the more people that know you, the more people that encounter you, wherever you put yourself out there, your digital footprint, you'll have more haters. But-
0: yeah. And it's funny because I was almost going to shoot off a really snarky reply. Thanks so much for the feedback. Not everybody loves chocolate, but I didn't do that. <laughs> but it's listen, not everyone likes chocolate. Not everyone likes puppies. Not everyone likes sunsets. Like, Right. I think it's time to just let go a little bit and realize there are 8 billion people in the world and if a million of them like what you do chances are you can grow an empire. Oh my god. Right? If That's one out of people. every if one out of every million people likes what you do like you'll st- We don't need everyone to like us.
1: I think it's actually great because I like to say between love and hate there is no money. So you got your hater. That's great. That means there's money in what you're doing.
0: It's true. I remember Dr. Garcia, the same professor of blessed memory, used to always say, you're in front when you have daggers being thrown into your back. And I know that's like a really intense sounding metaphor, but some fields are really intense and there can be criticism. So if you check out Oprah's Instagram, Oprah is beloved, but guess what? She also receives a lot of hate and so has every single person in history who's ever done something that's changed the world.
1: Nice. I've never checked out her Instagram. I didn't even know she was on Instagram, (laughs) but I'm not going to waste my time there. And that's actually something something that I will speak to because you said we all have the same amount of time, which is true. We all have 24 hours in a day, seven days a week, 30-ish days in a month. Some people do have different life circumstances. So I just want to, and different life choices, different to prioritize. Some people are single moms. And so they might be doing the mom and the dad thing. Some people might have one child or no child. And some people might have, I have eight children. Thank God. But most of them are out of the house. I was the doula for my daughter at her birth this week. So we make different choices. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so we do make different choices and it could be, that you are at a stage of your life when I had my eight kids still all living under my roof, where I had to have a different business model than I can now because of time that I was prioritizing to take care of my family. And it's a life choice. Our business is part of our life. It's the part of that big one whole piece of life that we're here to live or however many years and days and hours where we're on this planet. And God only knows that we have choices. And then the question is you could grow a business in two hours a day. If you stayed really super focused in those two hours, so many people waste four hours a day. I don't know, is it going to work? What are people going to think of me? Maybe nobody's going to pay that price. Maybe they'll reject me like girlfriend. You got two hours when your kids are at school, your kids are at nursery, your husband's at work or whatever. You don't have a husband like two hours a day. You can do some awesome work in the world when you decide to focus and do things that will bring you money. Can we talk about just bringing the money? I in? love that. And I not, love that. Not making I... websites that are like, because you think you need the website because that's going to prove that you're a real business owner. Or you, you don't need anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. you don't need it. Or you spend hours on Canva trying to get the perfect or the perfect logo. Like just choose something and go you shouldn't spend more than 30 minutes on if you did 30 minutes AI website make yourself a logo in 15 minutes like just get going yes yes it's so
0: important and I think it comes down to first of all the fact that you have eight kids and you've amazing I have four kids and I still feel like I'm juggling but but I think it's so important for us to take inventory of our time and our life and how much time do we want to invest in something And so maybe it's something like have working hours, like on a very tangible visual level, like you can open a lemonade store on your street for an hour a day and you don't have to be there all day. You can do that. And that's still a business. So I think this idea of work-life harmony is so huge to avoid burnout. It's so huge. So I'm really happy you mentioned that.
1: And we can do so much take your phone, which my rang, I thought it was off, put it in the other room, just go and sit down and focus. And I'm just going to reemphasize like income generating activities are where awesome. most business owners are not focusing enough. They're doing the foundational parts of their business. And I work with my clients on client acquisition first, do so this. It's going to bring you clients and don't worry about, I even tell people, And since this is my podcast too, (laughs) I'm just repeating myself. You don't even have to set up your business. You don't have to go to the accountant. You don't have to go to the bookkeepers. You just get money in the door. You don't need PayPal. You don't need anything. Like I promise you the tax authorities will be happy to take your money. If you wait two months or six months to pay them, there might be a fine. I'm not telling you to not ever pay taxes, but you can figure that all out. Don't do all your business foundations. Just get going. Yes, first things first, absolutely, absolutely. And you know,
0: it's so interesting, two things I wanna share with you. After I shared this very beta website, I got some feedback from a really creative photographer and uh, she gave me some great feedback and add some videos and do this and I'm planning on doing all of the things. And then I asked her, I'm curious, can I see your website? And she says to me, the irony here is I don't have a website. And meanwhile, she's successful in her field. So she sends me a PDF, and the PDF has her three services, and that's what she sends people. And in her business, she doesn't need a website because she's local. Mm -hmm. She knows how much time she has. She knows where her leads are coming from, and she can just send them this thing, and that's efficient for her. In a different case, in my case, because I'm planning to scale a business, I will need a website so that my Google ads can then direct to the website and this, that, and the other. But I did it in steps. And I think that's where we can get stuck. And this idea that you mentioned also about money generating, you said income generating activities? money generating,
1: money, revenue generating. Okay, revenue generating. Client acquisition, get money. Yes, client acquisition. (laughs) So
0: one thing that I started doing at the end of every week is making a list of everything I did during that week to grow the business. And there's this principle, it's called the Pareto principle Mm -hmm. based on this this Italian man who was growing peas in his garden. And he realized that 20% of the plants were bringing in 80% of the peas. And so he, he came up with this principle. And in more recent years, a lot of entrepreneurs have applied this principle to their businesses. So it could look something like at the end of the week, writing down 20 things that you did to acquire clients, grow your business, and then having a look at that list and circling the two that were the most effective. Perhaps those two things weren't really polishing your website or making pretty Canva templates. They were messaging someone on Instagram or they were hopping on a sales call or going to a networking event. And so gather the data be a researcher about your own business and magic. It's magic.
1: Yeah, I think actually, I mean, when you're talking about being a researcher, I was like, wow, your background in education and research is so valuable. It's a skill set that you have that you didn't even realize you're going to apply to growing businesses. but this yes. is a skill set that so many entrepreneurs like are they're just like shooting stuff out there into the world which is great. Get out of your comfort zone, go do it. But now let's analyze the data. Like which of your Instagram yes. posts or emails are performing well, because you want to do more things like that. Yes. You
0: want to do more of what works. And I want to share two things. The first one is when I moved to Israel in 2015, and I realized that I wasn't going to be an educator in this country, that it wasn't transferable completely. I felt like a failure and it was very challenging for me. But again, Add that to the failure resume and look back at the skills i now have not a failure but an asset yes and it's just so important for all of us to internalize this idea that if we allow ourselves we can keep constantly growing
1: we can there's always more to learn yes abundance is
0: possible abundance is possible the title of this episode
1: yeah so I'm going to look at my list and see what else we haven't talk, talk about. Um, I want I to talk gonna about one more
0: thing. Gosh, what was that?
1: What we're well, you talking about. I want to speak specifically to, I mentioned it a little bit, your financial thermostat.
0: Mm-hmm. because
1: okay. That was part of your beliefs and what feels comfortable to you. We do have an internal thermostat for how much money we believe that we can ask for, receive, hold on to. And even gift or share a gift to charity. We have financial set points, and knowing where yours is, which is like yesterday when I speak with my client and said, "Okay, five hundred dollars for a, a package, and let's get started." And we started with, "Could you make hundred thousand dollars in a year?" And that was like, or no, actually, ten years. We start with ten years for sure. Five years, yes. Two years, like we just like we're trying to find out where that place was, where. Her financial thermostat is set and now we can stretch it. We want to stretch it and grow your capacity. We don't want to snap it. Think like a rubber band, stretch your financial thermostat, bump up your set points a little bit, but without snapping it and just like numbing out again, if you think a million dollar business is not yet on your radar, don't go there, but go to a hundred thousand or go to 50,000 wherever works for you. But let's figure out where it is for you. And then we can start moving. And again, some people will pay your prices, some people won't. And if you're keeping your prices low to serve a lot of people, which is a beautiful thing to do, my question for you is, are you serving yourself? Because I've seen people that were burning out. You mentioned burnout. They're just working around the clock. I have to help this person. I have to help this person, right? They're not taking care of themselves. They're not sleeping well, not spending time with your with their families, They're on the edge of burnout and (laughs) all it takes is telling those clients that you've been working for, working with for six years and are paying you 25% of what your current rates are. I was like, Hey, we've, I've raised my prices and it's been lovely. I've been able to gift this to you for the last four or five years, but this is where my prices are. And some people, and some, like I love that. I was really think was really wondering about you and your prices, but you've got to be able to take care of yourself. You have to be resourced, especially as a woman. You need to be well resourced with sleep, food, and people yes. on your team when you're showing up to work for others. So- yes, imagine
0: if Mark Zuckerberg like just didn't eat or sleep. Like, what would happen? We a lot a lot of people would be out of luck. Like we are the CEOs of our business, and I, I want to speak to a couple things here in terms of money and prices. Like I think that if someone listening might be saying to themselves, "Of course, I have to." Of course, they're saying they have to. We have to take care of ourselves because you know rich people are selfish. I think that is like a lot of people have been. I know I was taught to be like benevolent and selfless and generous and giving and admire like Martin Luther King and Gandhi and all these like really selfless people but in business i think we all need to remember that if we're when we're making money again we can fuel the business not just like we are taking care of ourselves and that is so huge and important and taking care of ourselves and having more resources can then help us to be more generous and more selfless
1: yeah and let's just call it spade some rich people are selfish and some rich people are not selfish super generous yeah Yeah. allow your mind to go to rich people are selfish they're evil they're greedy. they're mean they're manipulative they know how to work the tax system But some rich people are very generous and they're helpful and they're kind and they have a lot of time on their hands because they figured out they've cracked the business model code and they're not like Elon Musk who's working 24-7. They're doing whatever they do and they contribute a lot to the world. They allow money to to them and they allow money to move through them in support of other people and under resources, solving climate change and global warming and helping underprivileged people like a lot of business people a lot of rich people are very generous and you know what yes.
0: some yes.
1: people are selfish also and some yep people are generous also there it's there's no black and white there's no yeah
0: yeah white. I I so agree and I I think even this idea of being selfish like a couple things first of all we have an exposure bias so when we what we see in the news about this rich selfish person and how they took wall street down that creates a paradigm for rich and selfish going together yeah. but the most people who are wealthy who are super generous aren't making the news because good news doesn't sell i think that's the first piece and then <clears throat> also if someone's going to sit down and take an inventory like they feel selfish because they want to make a lot of money I think it's worth just like being okay with the fact that we have a survival instinct Mm -hmm. and that it's okay to want financial security. And it's also okay to want to help a lot of people and it's okay to want abundance. And could you sit down and write about, make a list of all of the ways that if you had unlimited resources you would want to be generous yes what causes would you want to contribute to where what would you where would you want to take your family all of the things like where do you want to live what could this freedom offer you maybe you want to take care of your parents maybe you want to start an orphanage i don't know but i think it's really worth like Just being okay with the fact that, all right, maybe it feels selfish to want to have financial security for whatever reason. That's just a feeling. And yet, that is not who I am. And I'm going to expand my idea of who I am and what's possible. And the fact that in my heart, I am a giver. Yes. You are a giver. You are a creator, you're created in the image of God and God is a creator and God is abundantly generous Mm -hmm. and it's who you are.
1: Yeah. And I'm just going to add one little bit to what we see in the news and who grabs the headlines. I want to remind all of us that so many of us were nurtured on fairy tales of 101 Dalmatians, Cruella de Vil. Like she is cruel because she wants to take all these puppies and she wants to make a fur jacket out of these Dalmatian puppies, right? And even that word cruel is in our mind. Or Cinderella and the wicked stepmother, right? Cinderella is the noble one and she's down on the floor and she's scrubbing the floor. But who goes to the ball? The wicked stepmother. So from when we're very little, we're educated and socialized. First of all, wealthy women. Since we're speaking specifically United to women at the moment, wealthy women, and what were the television shows? I don't haven't watched television in decades, but was it Dallas or Dynasty with Alexis? Which one was that? But um, she wasn't actually the nicest woman on the block. So <laughs> these are the messages that are living inside of us from when we we're young, even before you hear about the guy who took down Wall Street.
0: negative emotions are addicting and so the tv shows are conjuring up jealousy which is really really easy to do and that's actually addicting and we all also want to have compassion for cinderella because she's a pauper and she has a big heart and we are these movies are bringing out our emotions and it's this like amazing experience to experience all emotions but I love this idea that you're sharing it's what paradigms have we been shown and are they even that is clearly like those cartoons are clearly not reality
1: but we believe them because they're just living inside of us Hmm. stepmothers are wicked I have a stepmom (laughs) she's not wicked but it's. There are probably a lot of psychologists, therapists who are like making money because people just believe that it's nature that step parents are evil and wicked or something like that and you can't blend families. I'm not saying that it's smooth or it's a walk in the park, but it doesn't have to be evil.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, not at all. It's I met a woman a few weeks ago at at a dinner. And she'd come into Israel from Chicago, and we had the most fascinating conversation about the work she does. She's a Bowen's family system coach, mm-hmm. and they basically untangle these like family sort of stories we've inherited. She's telling me all about her work, and I was so fascinated with her. I kept I was asking more and more about what she does, and she says, "I I don't have to work." I I really don't need to work at all her husband is an investor whatever he does they literally don't have to think about money so she says so i set my price points at a really reasonable fee i have a sliding scale and i asked her i said oh that's really interesting so like this isn't a business that you really want to grow and she was like Listen, like this works for my lifestyle. This is what I want. This is what works for me. And I think it comes back to this idea from the beginning of the episode that like you are the CEO of your business, you decide what you want. And as long as you're clear that's really what your heart wants, Mm -hmm. great. So I would love to invite everyone who's listened to this to think about what are a couple of the points that you are taking away that you can use to grow your business to bring more abundance into your life and business. And I also want to invite you to shoot me a personal email. I'm ozzy at drazi.co, A-Z-I at D-R-A-Z-I dot I want to hear, I would love to hear what you're taking away from this. And I answer all of my emails.
1: Ooh. I'm going to put that out there for my listeners. Also that people should send me an email and tell me what they're taking away because I love to hear. And I do also answer all my emails all by myself. Is amazing, amazing. Debbie at, It's Debbie D E B I E at Debbie d e b i e s a s e n dot com, And we'll Incredible. put our links in the show notes as well so that everybody can connect and tell us what they're taking away, but really just to believe that there is so much more available to you in the world then you're letting yourself believe. And when you can just expand your mind to what's possible, you'll see that there's more available. I love to say God is abundant. God is infinite and he can gift you like infinite abundance as well. That's so beautiful. We're going to
0: have all of our links in the show notes, our websites, Debbie's website, my website, the link to my beta website. Don't judge it if it's not perfect. All of those things. And again, coming back to wrapping up this episode, we talked about beliefs around abundance. We talked about setting up systems with a flexible startup and growth model. Mm -hmm. And then we spoke about fears. And to wrap up that fear piece, I really believe that this boils down to safety. And maybe next episode, we can talk about the trauma piece and get more into the psychology. I'd love to talk with you more about this, but this idea of of feeling, feeling safe in the process and, uh, and reminding yourself that you're safe. So I'm going to do that 90 degree, the 180 degree turn. I'm definitely taking that away from the episode and so much more. Debbie, thank you. Thank you for this conversation. It was really special.
1: Thank you. It was a pleasure. I'm glad we had a chance to do it.
0: Thank you so much, Debbie. Thank you so much for tuning in to the show today. Thank you for being here. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe because there's so much more in store. If you'd like to share the gift of being inspired by purpose, you can send a link over to a friend. DrOzzy.co backslash inspired so that they can benefit also. If you haven't done so yet, please take a moment to rate and review the podcast, wherever you're listening. You are welcome to send us over a screenshot of the review to service at DrOzzy.co because I'm going to be sharing some of these reviews in forthcoming episodes. Thank you so much for being inspired by purpose for being with me here on the podcast today, and I will see you next week.